it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The Mackie and Judd Show rolls on. Ready or not. On 1500 ESPN. Kempe speeds up the left wing in the zone. Kempe to the net. Deets. Check. Carter shoots. Scores! wins the game in overtime. Mackie and Judd today is Zolgad and Chorsky, TCL Broadcast Studios. Okay, sir, three on three. As a guy who uh, played this game for a long time, including professionally, but did not play in that format, your thoughts to start off with on the format of going to uh, three on three in the extra session? Yeah, I think, I mean, they, they've done it for uh, a couple reasons. You know, one, it's entertaining. Uh, you You do get to see... Skill players uh, on on a on a much more open area, so they get to handle the puck. Uh, you know, I we were talking off air when the format was two points for a win, one point for a tie, no points for a loss, and there was no overtime or a shootout. Uh, you know, then teams would just lock it down and go for the tie. You know, the the inferior team might do that, and so then. They they wanted to, and that wasn't good for the sport either, right? You just saw teams circling the wagons that, uh, and and could earn a point just by not, you know, by going into a prevent defense. And so they said, you know what, that's not great for the game. Let's let's do something uh, that opens it up and and makes it a little more intriguing and a little more interesting for the fans. And then we want something for the fans to stick around for. And and now we've arrived at at overtime three on three and it is it's it's pretty I like it you know and answer your question I like it um I think it does require um a philosophy and some strategy and we saw the wild make some adjustments you know or learn some things from analytics from from real raw data or statistics and they made some changes and and it worked uh out of the gate um one of the things is possession is so important. So sometimes I think when they they put Miko Koivo out there to start things off, um, is that he's going to win his face off most of the time, and then now you're starting off with the puck, which is a big advantage. Uh, if you know you see sometimes if the the other team ends up with the puck, they can score on their very first possession, and it's over. So possession is a big thing. Um, but does that mean you should put Miko Koivu out there when you've got? Jason Zucker sitting on the bench, you know, or right. some of these other dynamic players. And yeah, I think there's times where, you know, fans and maybe you would like to see the, the you know, coaching staff be a little more aggressive or or go with those really fast skating skill players, not with your reliable face-off men. Mm-hmm. Like last night against the Kings, they started a Coyle, Dumba, Brodeen. Now, I know there's a lot of teams, and there's a philosophy that you should start two forwards and one D. I don't mind that. No. And 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 I know he was on the ice for the Carter goal against. 
But the Dumba factor to me in the three-on-three is intriguing because if he gets loose in the offensive zone with that shot, it's a huge weapon. So I can certainly see that. Yeah, the the only the only thing the thing that actually drives me the most nuts at times is when guys don't know when to get off the ice. I've seen suitors stay on for what seems like an, an eternity. And because it's it looks like there's a it looks like there are are obvious times where where you have to change and if you don't, you get trapped. And the problem there Tom where is if you get trapped, you get tired. Yep. And so that that's the that would be the one thing is is that when you see certain guys go out there and they stay out there and they're out there and they're out there and you're saying to yourself you're going to be exhausted and you can't get you're back gonna get then. caught. Yes, you're, you're going to get caught yes. and you can't always see that coming, right? You can't predict it. And Suter probably is a guy who plays so many minutes and he's out there all the time. His mindset is just that, you know, I'm going to stay out cuz that's what I do. Likewise with Dumba, you know, you think about it. If you're going to win the overtime, you have to score the goal. That's that's elementary, right? That's obvious. Sure. So if you're going to score the goal, you've got to put a guy like Dumba out there who is a riverboat gambler. He's going to go for it, and and he has that shot, and he can carry the puck, and he can skate. You're not going to put um, a more defensive-minded guy out there as much, although they put Brodine out there. I think the mixture is, okay, we've got our – our smart and and reserved defenseman. And I'm fine with that. And then we've got our riverboat gambler in Dumba. Yep. And then we've got uh, Coyle, who's kind of your all-around puck possession guy, can score, can can make plays. So it, it is that's a good formula. That's a good combination. Um, but, you know, you get guys out there that are staying too long. It, sometimes getting a change is tough, and that's another thing why possession is so important because you really can't change unless you have the puck. As soon as the puck is either... <laughs> Is is either free and floating around out there, or on the other team's stick. You can't leave the ice surface in three on three because you're going to get exposed immediately. So it is a challenge. But Suter needs to come off the ice if he's been out there too long because he will get caught. And and it's once they're buzzing in your own zone, it's hard to defend. I know you can kind of it's man on man, you know, and they they try to sort it out, but. Uh, you're really it can change fast. It changes fast, yep. and you're you know if you're out there against um, some really high end players and marquee players, you can just feel like oh this is not good. Oh, this I know, is not good. Yes, <laughs> yes. Like when the Kings flew in the zone last night, and Dubnik's given up that goal in OT before the play that that won the game on the Carter goal. Yeah, you've seen that before, and you say and and when a team comes in like that, you're right. A lot of times I say. This is not going to end well right well, now. Well, yeah, because they came with speed. Yep. That that player, I'm forgetting his name. He's a, he's a, a newer player for the Kings. He had a ton of speed, and there was an exchange between Dumba and Nino Niederreiter was kind of back-checking, and then Nino realized, well, I can't get to him, and he kind of checked off, and all of a sudden it was on Dumba, and the kid got around Dumba to the net. And and I, I on Twitter, I complimented Devin Dubnik for making an aggressive poke check, mm-hmm. which he did a good job, and he came out and, and knocked it off the... the forward stick now the puck went straight back out into the slot and we had no one had but that's stopped. not but that's not his fault that's not dubnik's fault right. that's he didn't get the help he needed i think you know and and nino uh, his momentum carried Ronick him through into the corner on and, the replay said, yes said that, and, that exact same and thing. dumba kind of too nino lost him it's we need to have yep. they need to have a more uh presence of mind defensively they've got to have a mindset that when they don't have the puck and the puck's going to the net 
I can't just fly by the 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 slot. Like that's where the bad stuff happens. <laughs> stop. Put the brakes on. I know you don't want to stop because it means you're going to have to start back up again. I always tell these youth players, I'm like, I get it. I know why you're sure. not stopping because you have to start up again. But stopping is a little thing that makes a big difference in that situation. Sure. Don't fly through there. Stop there. And that's how we were always taught. I mean, and Jacques Lemaire was an uber defensive type coach. Like that was a priority was our own zone. And and you know playing a good defensive that probably got mindset. you benched with Jacques if you didn't stop. Oh no question for three weeks. No question or your change if you had a sloppy change, or you know. And now it's I, I get it. The game has changed without the red line. It's fast and you can't if you dump and dump the puck and and everyone changes. That's one thing. So now I guess they allow the guy that goes down and forechecks that dump in. They allow him to change on the back check, which we never were really allowed to do was if, if the opposing team had the puck and they were attacking your zone, no one left the zone. You don't get off yeah. the ice on the back check, but now that one guy goes down and he pressures and he, you know, tries to, I think buy some time for the other four guys to get on the rink. And then as he's coming back, they allow him to change. I guess it's, it's part of the new, you know, it's part of the new platform of, of hockey, but um, you know, you, you, there's some different things, but one thing that doesn't change, I don't think, is that goals are scored from the immediate front of the net. And if one or both of those guys had thrown the brakes on because they just know, up, yeah. I mean, without even knowing what's going to happen, just stop there. Mm-hmm. Just be there. And and if nothing happens, great. But the puck happened to be laying there, and Carter, one of their best scorers, got it on his stick, and he ripped it past Dubnik. Dave, what type of questions do you have for us? The three-on-three conversation sparked one in my head I'm going to ask you about, and we're also going to get back into the the biggest Twins news of the past 48 hours, the Jorge Polanco suspension. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. This is like a marriage. Mackey and Judd. Might be boring, but it's stable. On 1500 ESPN. Now on Mackey and John. Do you believe in past lives? Did we ever really land on the moon? Questions. What are the six degrees that separate you and Kevin Bacon? Of significant importance. Dave Harrigan, you have three questions for Tom Chorsky and me, so why don't you fire away? All right, let's do this. Let's start with the uh, conversation we uh, were just having there on the uh, on the other side of this break, talking about overtime and hockey three on three. And it got me thinking about some of the former hockey players, obviously the, the greats, your Gretzky's, Lemieux's, Gordiaus, etc. Go through all the names that didn't get to play three on three overtime hockey like we do now. So I'm going to give you an opportunity for some hockey time travel. Maybe it's a player. Maybe it's a whole team. Maybe you'd like to bring a rule from hockey's past. Maybe you're a big Big fan of the two-line pass. You want to see that reinstituted in the game or something like that. Something from hockey's past that you'd like to see in the way the game is played today, be it overtime or otherwise. This is right up Tom Trusky's alley. Something that used to be implemented in the game. Yep. That's no longer part of it. Yes. Yeah, so it could be, be a player, team, or like I said, a rule, whatever well, you want. You know what I would like here? Uh, see if this qualifies as I think of it. Everyone, you know, even recently I saw this argument about, you know, Wayne Gretzky, you know, he he would have sucked in today's game. He, you know, he was small and weak and, and there's no way, you know, he played against goalies that were dusty and that state, you know, they just stand up. They didn't butterfly and they weren't as big. They were like the, you know, they were the little guys on the team and not that athletic or something. Anyway, 
what people don't realize is that Wayne Gretzky, what I would like to see is if Wayne Gretzky had been born in 1990 mm-hmm. or 1985 or whatever the year is and had grown up with all the training. And we were talking earlier about nutrition, right? And and what if he was a product of that? And you, so you had Wayne Gretzky's brain and his skills, but in today's modern era of training. And so he would be as fast as Connor McDavid. And he would be as, you know, as fit. And I was going to say he'd probably be a little bigger. He'd be, yeah, and, and not, you know, the, the real, the really, the way the hockey player is built today is, you know, you you train your shoulders to be to to withstand hits so that you don't get hurt. But gone are the days of bench pressing and having big pecs and being jacked. It's like from you know you want your core, so it's kind of from your mid torso down is where all of your strength and mass is. You want that low center of gravity. So so if he, if if he was built that way, you know, four speed and 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 power. Uh, which he didn't have to be. He was just right. He was Mister Finesse and Grace amongst otherwise Neanderthals, and that's why he was so successful. Um, but anyway, so that's one of the things is like I'd like to see Wayne Gretzky's brain uh, and 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 ability in uh, a 2018 trained body. Sure. Um, I'll stay along the same lines and, and for selfish reasons because I never saw this guy play. And I think if you put him in today's game, he would still be great. Bobby Orr. I would have loved to see I would love to see that. Yeah. Because I think Orr now he, he sure. was a transcendent player at the time because what, what he what he did at that time hadn't been done. But I would love to see that skill. And I think he's a guy that you could probably plot from the sixties game. And once again, the equipment's improved, the training's improved. Uh but his his God given ability was such. I would love right. to have seen him play. And without with the way the rules are, right? Yep. Nope. You can't hook, can't slash a guy yeah, in the hand. You can't slow him down. You're right. Can't impede and and interfere and just get in someone's way like we could. I mean, you could just completely well, hold your devil, a guy up. Your, your devils, devils teams did that a lot. Well, we we took advantage of that the red line. But being that's what there. Jacques, I mean, Jacques. Yeah, but you know was what? Smart about he that. was smart. Like we we created turnovers in the neutral zone. And counterattacked, and that was our strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone thinks that we were a bunch of slugs, which we weren't. We were a lot of there was a lot of skill on that team and a lot what's of the firepower. Safest, what's the fairest way to say it? That you slowed the game down. Not that you guys were slow, but you slowed the. What, what's the What's the fairest way to talk about Jacques? Well, and his team I mentality. I thought it was brilliant, frankly. At time, if we couldn't win a race to a loose puck in the offensive zone, we would just let the other team get it and we would set up in our trap right and the thought was well if if they're going to get to the puck first anyway let's not go chase them and and start and lose that race and and be chasing the puck we'll just let them start to come out of the zone and at that time you had to get to the red line before you could dump it in sure. and there was no you couldn't make a two line pass so we set up in such a way that we were going to force them to make at least one pass before they could get to the red line. And we knew, and we forced it with this wedge type thing. Mm-hmm. We knew where that pass was probably going to have to go, or they would just flip it up and give it to us. And now we had possession again. So we were essentially forcing them to make a pass that we knew they had to make. And then we would jump on them and create a turnover out in front of the net. And one time Jacques said, look, 
if you go and forecheck and bash your brains in and fight and scrap and, and dig the puck out of the corner, which is a lot of work, you still have to get it to the front of the net, and then you still have to get it in the net. Why don't we just make them turn it over out in front of the net? We can counterattack and get our scoring chance without working so hard, which I was all for less work. You know, I mean, <laughs> right? We were joking earlier about, yeah, it's great to, you know, get paid NHL dollars, and sure. but you have, some people don't want to do the work. Well, this was less work. Creating a turnover, intercepting a pass, counterattacking, and getting your scoring chance that way, as opposed to so many other coaches were like, hey, we're going to dump it in, and then we're going to crash in there, and we're going to knock their brains out, and then we get, you still have to dig the puck out, get it, and get it to the front of the net, and get it past the goalie. So that's a lot of work. This was less work. Let's talk about the mindset of the athlete in the locker room, or the room, or the clubhouse, whatever the sport is. Ah, I love it. Jorge Polanco, 80-game suspension, PEDs. We know that for the Twins. Yesterday, it was Brian Dozier saying, well, of course, we hate PEDs. We want them out of the game, so it's not cool. But, you know, Polanco needs our love right now, and he made a mistake, and we've got to support this guy. Okay, behind closed doors, once the dust has settled. From a guy who's played and uh, been in locker rooms as a player, as a broadcaster, and Judd as a writer and broadcaster, spent a lot of times in locker rooms talking to players on and off the record. What are players really thinking right about now in the Twins clubhouse about Jorge Polanco missing the first 80 games of a season that could be headed towards the playoffs? I'll go very quick because I'm, I'm curious much more so to hear what uh, Chorsky thinks about this. I think that the majority are thinking, what the hell were you doing? What the if? So let's say you like him and, and the story is completely true and he's not lying. And he had a guy down in the Dominican that gave him the B12 or he thought it was B12 yeah. and it's in. I'd be upset. Privately, I, I would say, how selfish can you possibly be? We all know what the rules are. Everyone, it's not like they don't sit these guys down and say, if you do this, you are getting suspended, not just for like 20 games, 80 games, right? Right. So personally, privately, although I wouldn't sell them out, I would be, if I'm talking to you as a teammate, Tom, I'd be upset. Well, yeah, and I, you, you got to kind of wonder, how is this still happening in 2018? Like, it, it's you know, they come up with these excuses. I didn't know. And it was in an unmarked bottle or whatever. Like they have to have been warned and trained and they're surrounded by um, agents or I don't know if not handlers, but just people that are, you know, should be looking out for them. They should know better. Um, I have a hard time always believing that I didn't know that, that whole story. And, and obviously it doesn't hold water with the league because they don't, they don't, they don't care. They don't care. They suspend you. Um, and pretty severely. So um, as a player on the team, typically you get a little annoyed and frustrated because it, one, it makes your sport look bad or your team, it, 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 it casts a bad light on your team. It, and if you're, if you're a player that's going to be relied upon or was going to be relied upon, now you've put your team in, in a bad spot and your uh, team's weaker for it. Right. And now they are like, man, we thought we had a pretty good lineup. And now without him, we're weaker and, mm-hmm. and we're, and now we're not going to be as good. And that was a selfish move by him. Um, it's one more thing negatively that the rest of the players have to talk about for, which, for which at has least to, a while. Which has to drive guys crazy, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, in, in my era, we, you'd get some media training because you never know when something's going to go off the rails, right? A player's going to get into a fight in a bar or get caught gambling or, 
um, you know, whatever. It could be a DWI or, you know, where they're in the news and you have to kind of be ready to handle it. But yeah, as a player, um, and I mean, hopefully you really like your teammate and you do feel for him and you, uh, you do want to protect him or support him. But, you know, if it's, if it's someone that you're not as, if, if, if they're just kind of a teammate or whatever, or if it's causing a lot more problem, like I said, if it's making you a weaker team and it's putting you in a bad spot and a bad light, you, you kind of feel like that was a selfish, I was going to use an inappropriate word, but <laughs> Dave's move, got a dumb button, don't you know, worry about it. Blank move um, yeah. to do to us and to put us in. And, and, and I thought he, I thought we were all on the same page here, you know, things like that. So, you know, they might, they might feel bad for him and want to support him and be, be there for him, but that might just be public, you know, public posturing. And they're pretty annoyed that, that this has happened. Do you want to do question three now or on the other side? Oh, I think we could do it now. We've All got right, time. I'm long-winded a little bit. No, no it's good. No. I like long-winded. It's interesting. It makes me work less hard, so thank you for that. <laughs> See, everyone's, everyone truly at heart is lazy. Oh, heck yeah. That's what it comes down to. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, being that we've got two uh, hockey guys at heart in the studio there, uh, this one sparked, uh, sparked my interest. And uh, we have to do a Mac and Judd staple. Now, humans compete. We like rankings. Phil and Judd rank them on 1500 ESPN. You're going to have to give me a top three ranking, three to one, ways to experience hockey besides getting on the ice and playing your standard five-on-five game with referees. So you could be playing a pickup game in the park. You could be playing on the street. You could play be playing shinny in the basement. You could be playing bubble hockey. You could just be watching hockey on TV wow. or in an arena. I want for you, maybe it's something you did as a kid. Maybe it's something you do now. Maybe it's something you do with the kids or have done with the kids, Tom. Okay. Top three ways <laughs> to enjoy and celebrate the game you guys love. Okay. Um, number three is... Now, kids call it knee hockey now, but when I was a kid, we played basement hockey. Uh, I had a best friend that had this um, linoleum. No, it was tile, whatever that tile floor was. And we had these modified short sticks, and we would uh, we had one goalie and then one player. And Tony and I would go up and down. And, and the, the guy who was the, the, the player, one was a goalie and one was a player, that player would announce the game as, and, and we would be like the Gophers playing the Badgers or, sure. and, and so that guy had to call the game while he was playing the game. That was kind of <laughs> cool. Awesome. So basement hockey Al was Shaver-like awesome. Al like right there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, um, and then number two is boot hockey. So high, in my high school years, we would go play boot hockey. Love boot um, hockey. Boot hockey just was great, um, and especially if the you play with like a tennis ball, and if this if the rink was a little snowy, like it's you don't do it on a on a freshly flooded rink, right? right. You want it to be a little snowy, and anyway, a lot of late nights, um, staying out of trouble, uh, playing boot hockey, and then the number one, and we just saw this recently that I've experienced, and I and I and I do want to promote it, but it is I gotta say by far the most if not almost exactly um, way to resemble the game of hockey and playing the game of hockey is playing sled hockey. Playing in a sled, if you watch them play, it's physical. Yeah, They can pass the puck. They can raise the puck. They uh, Everything about hockey can be done in sled hockey. And the U.S. just won the gold medal the other day. They were 
They pulled their goalie and scored the tying goal against Canada in the closing minutes of the third period. And then they went on to win in overtime. But I've played sled hockey and I've been in a sled and you're gliding around just the way you do on skates and you're, you're bumping into guys and you're handling the puck and you can shoot, you can raise the puck, you can pass the puck. It's just, you can handle the puck, you can toe drag, you can do everything that you would do in the game of hockey from a sled. And I think it's fantastic. That's a great one. It is. That's outside the box. I love that, John. Uh, three, two, one. I'll go quick here. Uh, three table hockey for sure. That's a good. Now one. bubble. Bubble is good. I like bubble. Oh, you're going but, table. But but there's yeah. but there's nothing like the Montreal Canadiens and Maple Leafs with the old and and not the plastic guys, the metal guys. Oh wow, with the big puck, <laughs> the big puck. Now the table would warp after a while, so it became yeah. sort of a pain in the butt, but. A new table hockey game, table, not bubble, is number three on my list. Awesome. Number two, the only way, uh, one of the biggest improvements in sports ever from watching game not at the venue, HD. Watching hockey in HD. Go watch a standard deaf hockey game now. You can't stick with it. Right. I don't care how much you love the sport. Standard deaf, you're like, where's the puck? The players look like they're skating through a snowstorm themselves. Yep. HD to me changed to changed the way to watch the sport. Yep. And then number one, I'm with Tom here. Street or boot hockey is the greatest. Street fri- hockey, yeah. Street hockey a was Friday, great too. A Friday night, you could play forever. Yep. I was a goaltender, Trediac like Tommy. I was so good. I'm sure. <laughs> I put on skates. I was awful. But when I was in the boots, oh, yep. I was good. I stopped everything. I was bull prey. You had to been fearless. Oh, I was fearless. It was a great, but I loved it. Because you take a couple off the thigh. Didn't or, bother me. No. I actually, I've still got a scar to this day right here. Took a took a street hockey puck. So not not a hockey puck. Oh, it's the, the plastic. The plastic. Deal? Yeah, I took it right off the chin here. Didn't get stitches. Have the scar to this day. <laughs> wow, tough guy. That's War a marks. deep cut. That's a yeah. It's a yeah, very look at a deep deep <laughs> cut right there. Do you have to go back to the locker room and come back, or did you just stay out? Uh, there? I bled on on the guy's driveway. I didn't care. Oh my god. I just I hunkered back down, stopped more tennis balls, and bled. Uh, let, let's take a break. Rob Stauber, who coached the U.S. Women's Olympic Hockey Team to a gold, will join us at noon. A former teammate, actually, of Mister Chorsky's. The show is Mackie and Judd. Tom Chorsky in for Phil today. Phil Mackey. I just love the fact that every time he comes on, you get insight about stuff that you don't know. Judd Zolgad. Every time he's just full of insight. He's, he's kind of an open book. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. I was thinking about the Kick band. off your running season with 1500 ESPN at Twin Cities and Motions Hot Dash. 5K and 10 Mile. It's happening this Saturday, March 24th. Join 1500 ESPN beginning at 7.30 a.m. for the Race Festival at Boom Island Park, which features a top 10 U.S. post-race beer garden, live DJ, photo booth, and activities for all ages, plus hot dish and the beer from Summit Brewing Company. Details at 1500ESPN.com. Keyword events. Thank you, David. Zolgad and Chorsky today fill out. Uh, actually, we'll be back on Friday from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Okay, Harrigan, what is the best way to paint the news that we are, are hearing right now? Because I think rumblings is safe. Rumblings, rumors, word from those close to the program that it sounds like Don Lucia is on the way out. Is out, which would not be which would not be a surprise, Tommy, since we've been talking about this for a few days now. And I don't, 
I don't recall at any time in the past, although we've certainly talked about his job status in the past, I don't recall it being this strong. So if there indeed is a uh, if there indeed is a movement where there could be a coaching change, I don't think anyone with that program, including you, is going to be shocked. And, and to be clear, we don't know. I guess I haven't heard whether it would be a decision made by Mark Coyle. If it was a mutual decision, I we don't know. Details and we're not reporting that. that he's out. We're just reporting that there are rumblings that they could be moving towards. Correct. That. Just to be very very clear. Yeah. Yeah. I I'm assuming that if and when it does happen. Don will resign. Um, that would make the most sense to me too. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. He he does he deserves to um, go out that way. I think um, there's no need to fire him. I, I and I also think that Don would be the type of person that in the in the end he probably would. You know, it's funny how you know. Sometimes afterwards it becomes really clear, like oh yeah, it was finally time. You know, and 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 hopefully. Um, everyone agrees that it's yeah, it's about time, or and he feels 19, that way. Nineteen years in this day and age is yeah. a long time. This, this yeah. is not the this is not the wooden UCLA days. This is not you know Red Berenson coached for how I mean yeah. Well, college hockey is a is a if you do a good job, um, it's really a stable spot, right? Sure, like, they don't really fire people especially obviously don's last a long time so i'm assuming that if and when it happens he will be resigning he won't be fired Mm -hmm. um and you know he'll he'll get to tell the story the way he wants to tell it yes david and this is being reported by college hockey news at ch news on twitter according to reports don lucci is stepping down okay as head coach at minnesota they say more to follow okay well to, to your point tom that would make the most sense and that was that I think was the feeling was that if there was going to be a change, because Mark Coyle and Don are pretty good friends, I think they go so back. This is not going to be uh, you're fired, you know. Yeah, this is what's going to be a discussion. Yeah, it's a conversation. Yeah, when when Mark Coyle was here in his first go round as a as a junior, I think athletic department, it was the associate athletic. Director, or yeah, something, and it was, whatever it was. Yeah. but yeah, he was. He rose to the ranks, basically. Yeah, but when he was here the first time, before he went off and became an athletic director, he worked alongside Don, and so they go back to you know probably ten years ago. So when, once again, if you have not heard, the word is, and, and it was just reported. Did you say college hockey news, David? Yes, at CH News on Twitter, college okay. hockey news. That uh, Don Lucia will be not fired, but stepping down as go for hockey coach. We will stay on top of that for the remainder of the show on until one o'clock. Joining us next will be, well, could it be a candidate for the Gopher Hockey coaching job if he so desires? Rob Stauber, who just won gold with the U.S. Women's Olympic team behind the bench and a former teammate at Tom Chorsky's. He will join us next one hour to go before GL. Mackie and Judd today is Zolgad and Chorsky from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad, the most meaningless exercise in sports media. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd uh, today from the TCL Broadcast Studios is Zolgad and Chorsky and Dave Harrigan. We didn't do this last week, but we're going to bring it back. We have Minnesota sports prop bets and over-unders, which you have uh, spent uh, hours painstakingly preparing for us. Yes, much longer than the past four minutes. Definitely much longer than the <laughs> oh, past Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, it's been at least six minutes. Oh, I've been spending <laughs> every waking hour since I got up this morning thinking about prop bets, thinking about... Uh, over-unders, all that we need to get into in this segment. And let's start with our hockey team. 
the Minnesota Wild, the professional hockey team. All right, let's start with those boys after an overtime loss last night to the L.A. Kings. I was just pulling up the uh, schedule for the rest of the way. Nine to go. Predators, Bruins, Predators, Stars, Stars, Oilers, Ducks, Kings, and Sharks. The Wild are at 90 points right now with those nine games remaining on the schedule. Mm-hmm. Over under nine points the rest of the way to put them at 99 total for the season. Ooh. Tom, you want to take this one first? Nine more points in, in what is a, a schedule that basically involves one team in the Oilers that's completely out of it, but other than that is against either playoff teams or Dallas, which is the first wild card out in the West right now. Yeah, and I'm looking... Um, I'm What I'm looking at this is from a home and away standpoint. Okay. So there's one... Four home that I count and so, five away, including the last three in California. So the four home, they're going to get... Uh, they're going to get six of those eight. Okay. I'm going to go over. You think they break the 100 mark? All right. Yep. Judley? Oh, as negative as I can be about this hockey team, I think Tom's right. Because they are, okay, let's say they lose to Nashville. They could beat Boston at home. Uh, Dallas just lost their goaltender, Bishop, for an extended period of time. Dallas, I think, is going to reel more than they're going to excel. Edmonton at home, so you get you could you could get six points there, and then in those last uh, three games, which aren't going to be easy games, you could certainly get a few points. I'll say um, points wise, I'll say they get nine exactly. I'll say that that they that they, they can get about nine. So you're not going over so or under. I'll. I would I would tend to I would tend to toe the line here. Over I could see. Yeah, I'll go over. What the heck? I'll be positive today. What if I added they a... They got a point last night. What if I added a healthy Jared Spurgeon to the lineup? Where Ooh. would that adjust your numbers? Hun- Obviously, you'd go up a little. How higher would you go? Oh, at least a few more. I, I would I would go from saying about nine points, which would be even to what you're saying, to uh, probably 11 points. Jared Spurgeon changes a lot for me. I'm If Jared Spurgeon's not back for the playoffs, this, this is going to be damn tough. I think it's going to be very yeah. tough. He would, he would, he would certainly bring an emotional boost too. Well, on the power play, right? But yeah, but you know, go down the stretch, they would probably likely not bring him in. They just say, "Well, we're going to be what we are. Yep. Let's just let him rest." Yep, you're and probably right. They, or they might want him to get a game or two in if he could before he steps into. But if you, playoffs, if, but, but uh, to your point, Dave, if you put him back in, in here healthy, I think they they go to about 102 points or so. I think he makes an enormous difference and when you watch the power play without him it's he does all he does so many unappreciated things so yes that that would change my point of view drastically probably let's go on to the football field as collar was in here early in the show laquan treadwell was mentioned that at least right now it looks like he'd be the uh, guy in line to be the vikings third option at wide receiver uh 2017 after a one catch, one or fifteen yard performance, twenty sixteen, he caught twenty balls for two hundred yards. I'll put Laquan Treadwell on thirty catches, three hundred yards for twenty eighteen. Let's just see it tick up a little bit. Over or under both those numbers? Um, under for me because I think didn't I put him and write that down last fall on something like forty catches? I thought I put him on. Uh, I just don't see it. I think it's under. I think they go. I think they have to go get a, a third receiver 
going into training camp. Uh, he's your fourth guy. He's going to block for you. I think 2018 is his last season as a Viking. So uh, to take your numbers, if they are 30 and 300, I say he falls under. I think it's more around 20 again, and he's gone. I think it's under. I think they have probably some someone in mind, or they're going to go look and find someone to sign. And I think that person, whoever that player is, is going to prove to be more reliable mm-hmm. and is going to end up getting more more tosses their way and and maybe more downs and that's just even more of a reason for him to not get those numbers. Yeah, I think this is this is his last chance, I believe, but I just as we talked about with Collar before, I haven't seen enough there to think that there's a corner to turn now. I, and I don't know who he the pool is, is but it, is. if I'm the if I'm the GM, I am going to go find someone who's who's a, a needle in the haystack or out there who ha, who also has been behind maybe three other receivers and hasn't been given a chance and you go to him and you say, look, there's an opportunity for you here. Mm-hmm. And if you perform and if you step up, we are willing to, we're willing to invest in you and there's an opportunity for you here. You know, you don't, Treadwell doesn't know that, but you go to a guy in, in pro sports and you say, there's an opportunity for you. Um, and that's going to motivate someone. They're going to find someone that has some skills and has the ability and is going to take that spot. David. Go for hockey. Let's just say, let's look at 18 years of a program. I don't know why I'm saying that number. It's just, just it happens to be the number. Let's just look back 18 years. Just pull that rabbit out of my hat. Let's say you made it to the NCAA tournament in 13 of those 18 years. The over-under of acceptability, is that good enough, or does it need to be over, or are you okay with under? Um. I'm not okay with it. Uh, I think you also have to look at um, maybe consistency or what the, you know, there's other factors into the lineup or if you had lost players in a mass exit or graduation, um, you know, there's some other factors in there. And I've, I've crunched the numbers at times on, you know, winning percentage or how it went down or, you know, whatever. But overall, I just think that um, you don't have to win it every year, but, if you're, I think the University of Minnesota should be a top, for sure, ten program every year. Mm-hmm. And some years they'll be between five and ten, and other years they'll be between three and six. And in some years they should be in the top five, you know, all year long. Um, and under under that expectation, I think they should make the tournament ninety percent of the time. So, Dave, what what type of program are we discussing here? Are we talking about? The Duke of uh, college hockey here? Or are we talking about just a run-of-your-mill program? No, we're talking about the Gopher Hockey program. I don't know if I made that clear. I but think you did. I yeah. think you said Gopher Hockey. Oh, I, wasn't I believe clear. I did. I wasn't clear on that, but yes. Thanks for paying attention to the prop at over-under. They, they need to make it, Tom's right, they need to make it on a consistent basis. The NCAA tournament needs, it should not be a nice little goal of the Gopher Hockey program. It should be a every year, basically, you are in the mix. The biggest problem with with Saturday night was it looks like bad luck. You know, six things can't go wrong. Oh, six things shouldn't went, be in that position. Wrong, but you shouldn't be in the, there, right? Exactly. That's the the position is the fault. You should not you should not go 
because I think before I want to say before you went to Penn State at the end of the regular season, I believe you had been six one and one, and all you had to do to get home ice in the Big Ten playoffs that first round, which is now eons ago, was win was get a point there, and instead you lost both games there. You went back there in a best two or three and got swept there. So this is your fault. Well, and then we're talking about record and 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 results of games. If you if and I don't have it written down and I don't have it in the top of my head, but if we looked at some statistics like offense, right? What was their offensive output? It was it was subpar. It was 39th out of are there 60 teams or 63 teams that play college hockey division right, one? With with like 2.7 goals a game, I think yeah. is the number. The power is, play. Ugh. Your power play yep. on a big rank uh with Guys like Casey Middlestat and Sheehy and other drafted players, um, you know, Britstat, they had some talent, some skill, some drafted players. It, it Again, they don't have to be number one in the country, but your power play and your offensive output with skilled players like that has to be higher. David, so you, you, have... you threw out 90%, Tommy, as far as how many times they should be in the tournament. 90% yes. of the time. So 9 out of 10 years. Qualify. Does it matter then how many times they win the tournament to you? Or is getting there enough or making you know semifinals, final, or frozen fours, whatever it is? Um, certainly, you figure if you're going to qualify 90% of the time or you know 85% of the time, that some of those are going to get to the frozen four and win it. Um, but winning it is a, is a different thing. Thing. It's a lot it's a has to go, shoot. you know, a lot has to go right. You've got to, you know, you've got to have some luck. And yes, you are always going to run into um, other strong opponents. So um, winning it, I, I think the program should win it. Uh, they should win it 20% of the time, two two out of every 10 years. Is that, does that make sense? That's yeah. Probably very fair because it's one game. And lots can happen. I mean, they had look in at one the history game. of it, right? Yeah, I mean, it's whoever, not, yeah, whatever programs have won it the most. Um, but didn't he have or won it a lot before they went to the Frozen Four in Tampa in I want to say 2012? Didn't he have almost an entire class go through there without making an NCAA appearance? I think there was a four-year spurt there where they didn't even – that, to me. It was three years. Okay. Uh, starting in 2008-09, they were WCHA quarterfinals, and then they were out in the first round of the WCHA tournament both the next two seasons before making the Frozen Four. That's what you're talking about. Stuff like that. that yeah, I mean, I mean, how did we get through that phase without being a little more – Oh, I think the pressure. I think the pressure got on him. I think he was under pressure at that point. But then that that senior class, which wasn't uber talented, but was actually a pretty good class as far as the kids worked really hard. And I forget who I forget who the one player in particular was who was the captain that year. He basically said, "This is going to end. This is BS." And he came in, and he wasn't. He was like a third or fourth line kid, but he worked his butt off. And it ended there. They went to the Frozen Four in Tampa, and then the the pressure sort of receded after that, I think. so Because they made it there. Yeah, exactly. Let's take a break. Uh, Let's come back, and uh, I want to discuss overtime National Hockey League rules with you. And I also want to get to the fact that uh, I feel like the Wild has made improvements there, Tom Chorsky, but there could be more. We'll talk about that next. Uh, Zolgad and Chorsky, TCL Broadcast Studios.